Welcome to Scream Quest, a limited run series off spin, uh, nope, nope, spin off rather of our regular <laughs> podcast, Scream Quest. I'm one of your hosts, Chris Waterman, joined as always by Mae Finch. Hey, everyone. And Mr. Will Rotondi. Hey, how's it going? You guys are stuck with your regular host this week. I'm so sorry. No, just kidding. <laughs> we will be doing a uh, discussion around slow burn horror today, talking about a pair of films, The Exorcist and Midsummer, and we'll uh, be really just grappling with what makes a slow burn horror film effective. Uh, the first film we will be discussing is The Exorcist. And uh, as always, let's start with some general impressions, y'all. Uh, tell me if you've seen it before, and if not, give me your general impression. Well, give me your general impressions either way, I guess. But tell me if it's your first time, as always, and we'll start with May this time. Uh, yeah, th this is my first time. It definitely was kind of, I guess, overhyped to me because I've heard, "Oh my God, this is the scariest film ever," but I also knew given the time period, it probably wasn't going to be as bad as like some modern movies. So I really wasn't sure what to expect. And I was legitimately scared, um, perhaps more so than I was watching Midsummer at certain points. Uh, really? Wow. Yeah. Okay. So I was impressed with that. Uh, did not see that end coming at all. So the plot twist got me. And yeah, I was, I was pretty impressed with it. Um, there were certain points that did get a little bit slow and boring to me, but I appreciate that that was lulling me into a false sense of security <laughs> <laughs> yes it put it definitely puts the slow into the slow burn uh, at times <laughs> um well very cool i'm glad that um you know uh, this is a movie whenever i recommend it to people i say listen i have no idea how you're gonna feel about this but some people watch it and they're terrified by it and then other people are completely underwhelmed as like a modern audience so i never know where someone's gonna land I'm, I'm glad that it was effective for you that's great maybe uh, i just relate as also being a young woman with a fucked up face right now <laughs> oh, oh that's not true that's not true at all um and yeah like the uh we'll talk about the makeup and stuff in a little bit but wow like to take such a pretty sweet little girl and like where they they go with that it's just I think that's still it's works. Intense. Regardless of it's intense. how scared scared you are, I think we can all agree like the the makeup and the effects work really still like holds up tremendously in my opinion anyway. But uh, will uh, have you seen The Exorcist before? Uh, and regardless, what um, what do you think of The Exorcist? Uh, I've seen it a couple of times before, so this is probably either the second or the third time uh, that I've watched it the whole way through. And I agree that the uh, the makeup work is like awesome. I mean, Max von Sydow being like, we was like in his forties and they make that dude out to look like he's 80. <laughs> like watching this film, I forgot that he was in it. And so I'm like, wait, he's not, he's not really that old though, right? Like how old is he when he passed away? So I think he passed away, right? If I, I'm not- he, Yes, he, he passed that. away. Um, I think, I, I want to say it was like over COVID be because, uh, we were watching the seventh seal and i know we like we were talking oh, about yeah. 
Max von said how. Um, yeah, man, he looks like he's on death's doorstep convincingly. Like, yeah, like I was, I was so impressed. I had forgotten about that. And so rewatching that, I was like, that was one thing that stuck out to me. Um, overall, I think the story is very interesting. I agree that it is very slow and you kind of have to go in with that mindset that it's not going to be like in your face all the time. Although there's going to be some jump scares and a few things that maybe you didn't necessarily expect to see on screen for when that came out. And I know that that was like, it was very much an issue or it was, it was very talked about as being a big deal for what it was when it came out. And so sort of thinking about it in that context, I can appreciate it for what it was and what it helped add to the horror genre um, in films that you see now. And overall, I would definitely recommend this film to anybody. I think you should see it at least once just to to experience it. Um, it's not necessarily going to be, I think, depending on how what you believe in. Like for me, I, I knew someone in uh, grade school who, or like back in middle school, who was Catholic, still is Catholic, I should say. Um, and very much like this was a terrifying film for her and so if you believe in in possession if you believe in um you know in demonic possession and being controlled by some unforeseen force i can imagine that is absolutely terrifying it's like me with jaws you know like i'm just i'm not gonna go in the water <laughs> so i can uh, i can definitely appreciate it for that and i think that going into it depending on what you believe will also influence how you come out of the film yeah, I saw this probably about the time that I was having, you know, my, um, shall we say, complicated breakup with the Catholic Church. Like, I, I hadn't really come down squarely on my, like, religious beliefs and where I, I was landing at that point. But I knew that, like, the Catholic Church as an institution was something that I wanted to get away from. But still having been raised in that environment, like, this was very effective uh for me as a young person when i saw it and uh you know even though like i can't say i was a true believer i think that i still had a lot of that ingrained into me and a lot of the rituals and um sort of like the, the when they're doing the exorcist itself and there's those responses and that, like all that it, it kind of stays with you your whole entire life like as a catholic i feel like um because it is such a um I don't know, ritualistic uh, sect of Christianity, like probably more so, I think, than a lot of like Christian sects, like um, things have largely stayed the same, the format of mass and things like that. So, um, yeah, I can see being a true believer being uh, a great gateway to, to really turning the dial up on the, on the horror factor for sure. Yeah, um, I'm so also not someone who believes in the paranormal and I'm still quite scared about, scared by it. So, yeah, I can't imagine watching this as someone who, um, is open to this actually happening in your life. I think kind of what makes this work too is like you get the impression, I think, in the movie that Chris McNeil, like the mom, is not really particularly religious and not much mm -hmm. of a believer either. And so you can kind of put yourself in her shoes of like, what would you do if like if all other possibilities have been ruled out and this is what you think is maybe the only salvation for your daughter? Like uh, and maybe being confronted with like that maybe there is like this other like you know part of the um the universe um you know the spiritual world in other words that can bleed into ours like that would that would be pretty uh pretty scary i think um you know for a different reason as a non-believer because like you're you're confronted sort of like within questioning um probably the rest of your life uh what your beliefs actually are you're having your belief system kind of shaken up so 
Well, what I want to do is uh, take us kind of through The Exorcist. I'm going to do this with each of these films and we can kind of start and stop as we wish. Um, but what I want you guys to do is picture, uh, close your eyes and picture a, uh, a nice little sliding scale. And I'm going to call this the, the nope meter, okay? Uh, and, a, and a one on the nope meter is like you would vacation, um, you know, uh, at, at this place in, in the uh, context of midsummer. And then like where the exorcist, uh, we'll, we'll say that like, you know, you're uh, in, I guess, like the context of, of Reagan and as a parent, like you have no concern, you, you know, um, no worry. Like you, you love, you want to hug your daughter constantly and, and you're comfortable. We'll slide that up to like the five and that's like your concerned parent and, uh, <laughs> you know, um, wanting to get your child, uh, help. And then like, we'll say a 10 is like, you're putting that child up for adoption and sticking it <laughs> somewhere, literally anywhere else but your house. So I want to know, putting yourself in the shoes of, of the characters as we go through these two movies, like where you are on that note meter and you can kind of expound as, as you want. Okay. Um, so we'll, we'll start, uh, like I said, with, I guess, since we're on the exorcist with, kind of unraveling the plot you know the the film begins you see chris mcneil is uh not quite a single mother but for all intents and purposes she is the father is largely absent and you kind of get the impression that he's um not very interested in his daughter's life she's in washington dc or more specifically georgetown shooting a uh, film staying in a house temporarily and um things seem to be largely okay uh what's the first indication for for you guys where something is wrong like what where, where's the i guess can we all agree the scratching sounds in the attic right that's kind of the first little indication that where things going on so uh kind of beginning there uh where, where's your nope meter where's your you hear some scratching in the attic it's not a one yeah. <laughs> you put it that way I mean, I know there's all kinds of things that can end up in walls. I had something scratching in my wall as a child, actually. And um, if I could have moved, I would have. But <laughs> yeah. I'd, say, I'd yeah. say it's a solid three for me. Yeah, I think that's fair. Because you don't know, like, what is it rodents? Like, I've, I've heard weird animal noises before in places where you don't really want to go check it out because you it's dark and you're like, I, I'm just not going to do that. But I know it's probably okay. And, you know, pest service in the morning will take care of it. Um, I'd still go probably with a one. I wouldn't be too concerned. If I didn't hear any, like, really, like, creepy, like, uh, demonic noises, maybe, that would be, that might change it. But if it's just the little skitter skitter across the floor, I'd be, I just wouldn't go up there, but I'd be okay at one. <laughs> and kudos to them, too, for, like, you know, I, the house, I, I, I don't know if it's something the studio provided, like in the context of the movie, you know, like in that uh, fictional setting or what, but like, if it just got, if she'd gone up there and there's like just an empty attic, like, I think that's way less unsettling than all this stuff where you're like, you're kind of like, all right, what's mm -hmm. going to pop out? You know, there's yep. things covered with blankets and stuff. I always like that. Like, cause your eye is drawn to that stuff and of course like you're you're looking for like monsters and things like automatically i think i'm trying to think um and you guys can chime in like what, what's the next uh sort of escalation we have the ouija board i guess right like that scene mm -hmm. um with the ouija board unless there's something else i'm missing where reagan kind of talks about captain howdy and she's been talking to this imaginary friend is what chris mcneil presumes and uh yeah there's the bit with the ouija board 
agree uh, I, guess. I guess there's but, the part where chris goes into the attic and then like right before um she turns um there's like the the candle that she's carrying sort of like erupts really erupts. abruptly yeah so yeah so okay we'll we'll take let's take those two like kind of in stride because i feel like that's an escalation but it's not you know anything like too crazy mm-hmm. so yeah. <laughs> how, how about where's your note meter there you're carrying a candle if it erupts. I, yeah i was gonna say if i saw the candle actually do that and eh, we yeah we, we might jump up to a three. <laughs> Ooh, you're only at a three okay <laughs> how about you may uh so first of all i just want to say that the way they made the um I'm blanking on the name of it, but the thing that you drag over the Ouija board, um, the way they made it look like it did truly move on its own, if you're mm-hmm. watching closely, it was really good. I like, I appreciated that detail. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think as soon as your daughter says she's been talking to a strange man, <laughs> strange invisible man, I'd be a little, I'd, I'd be at a five, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, like, and Aww. she's like, she's like all right take it easy reagan that thing clearly moved on its own like <laughs> i feel like uh what just happened there um yeah <laughs> uh, the candle too. Like, was... she's also she's like she's 12 i don't know if standards are different but i feel like 12 is very old to have an imaginary friend mm. yeah that's a good point yeah okay that is a really good point and you know i i think like the the setup is maybe such that you can suspend your disbelief a little bit they're very subtle about it but clearly like reagan's having some difficulties like the conversations with the mother asking like um do you like mr burke do you love him like you love daddy that kind of stuff like like she's obviously going through and and dealing with some things and um i think they do a nice job kind of setting up that um but it's within the realm of possibility that you'd be like okay maybe she's having some adjustment issues with like the divorce or separation or something but um yeah that the candle um and like no explanation for that at the very least i'm concerned about a gas leak if that happens in the house you know like that's valid shit we gotta we gotta burn down i feel like i'd be at about four or five like at that point like (laughs) personally (laughs) i'm gonna say like for for time's sake let's let's jump to the uh the dinner party where Chris has all the kind of actor friends and there's the priest and their astronaut. Like she's got a pretty cool circle. First of all, like you got a fucking astronaut and a priest and like, uh, you know, actors and directors. Like it's almost sounds like a setup for a joke in a way. Like <laughs> <laughs> She seems very worldly. Yeah. Right. Like um, nice little friend circle. And uh, I love that house, by the way, like, um, uh, like I, I, I'd have a party there. Uh, or attend a party there i should say and uh they're all hanging out and um uh reagan comes down the stairs and looks at the astronaut and says you're gonna die up there and then urinates on the floor and then of course like promptly after when you know the, the guests leave and the um the maid is sort of scrubbing it up uh there's the screams and the thumping and then you walk in and you see the entire bed shaking um where where are you at uh, on a note meter on a note scale there <laughs> those two events quickly one after the other so like i feel I, i'm not a mother but i feel like a, a mother's love is very strong so i feel like at that point i have concern for my daughter but not afraid of her 
I would be afraid of this house though. Like what, what the hell's going on with that bed? That is not normal. Did she check under it even? Like, <laughs> I don't, I don't know. Um, and not to be, to have too much of a tangent, but uh, the line that always makes me laugh is like, the problem's not in your daughter's bed. <laughs> it's such a weird thing to say to somebody. <laughs> the doctor's talking to. <laughs> anyway, um, I don't know if she looked at her, but you feel like you would, right? Um, I feel like at that point, I, I, I would stay somewhere else, even if it's just for a little while, and I do come back to that house. I'd be like, okay, something weird is going on here. I need to get the house inspected. I'm going somewhere else with my daughter for a while. Yeah, yeah, I'd have to agree. That's pretty much the we're we're leaving <laughs> we're not staying here yeah i feel like i'd be like a six to seven at that point not necessarily mm -hmm. i think uh may it was right like not necessarily afraid of the uh my daughter but i would certainly like my concern level is high because of the like the paranormal event but also like you know my my daughter's wedding herself in front of guests and saying some really off the wall shit like mm -hmm. maybe something is affecting her you know, maybe it is psychological but something is clearly wrong yeah again gas leak seems like a likely <laughs> candidate here. great point yeah the candles flaring out <laughs> yeah i don't know if gas gas leaks uh make you make you pee but certainly could uh could account for some strange behavior um yeah. that's definitely for sure or carbon monoxide or so something chemically is not right <laughs> all right so um let's let's kind of proceed into uh i guess the next escalation escalation excuse me which would be um the first time you really hear the voice change and there's that weird goiter that like pops up on the neck and and uh the door slams shut and she just backhands um chris mcneil i think right there's that is that the crucifix scene there's a couple of different i think the slap was that. the crucifix scene but okay. i could be yeah. wrong so maybe just the goiter you know <laughs> part yeah. the, for lack of a better word <laughs> um and, oh it's the doctors yeah like they like she's yeah. like like up up on like you know kind of doing the sit-ups and and bouncing up and then you see the little quitter <laughs> thing. Okay, so you have medical professionals that are now there, and they're clearly flummoxed. Like, where are you at on the nope scale? I mean, the sit-up thing that you mentioned, if I saw that in real life, I'd probably be <laughs> concerned. Watching it in a film just kind of makes me laugh. But I don't know. With medical professionals that don't really know, I guess there's that's always, like, a sense of foreboding about what's really happening. But uh, I don't know. I might still be between that five and seven. <laughs> yeah, I I actually don't. <laughs> I'm not anti-medicine, but as someone who's been to doctors for a lot of different things, it's not that rare for them to be flummoxed by something. <laughs> so that doesn't necessarily uh, stand out to me too much. If I, if I saw her getting that much air and moving that fast and erratically, um, I probably would have gone ahead and just gone straight to the priest because I do not buy <laughs> I do not buy that story about adrenaline somehow like allowing her to do that like come on <laughs> no and the the attitude change is quite different and the voice too like I feel like uh, like uh, that's that's a pretty growly deep voice for a 12 year old girl <laughs> oh, so I I heard as I was letting the the dogs out sorry for that um that uh, so you were asking about how they got her to do it. so uh this film was notorious for being horrible to like actors unfortunately 
so mm-hmm. they had a harness rigged up to her so when she's ye- <laughs> when she's yelling i'm it burns like stop oh, it it bur- no. like that's actually linda blair like asking oh, them to no. cut because what? it was like hurting her abdominal muscles so like that's like real pain oh, that they no. thought she was in performance um no. similarly like the moment when, i learned about milo and otis dude it's not good yeah no i know <laughs> but like similarly um like when chris mcneil gets slapped um and falls back and screams and holds her back she was like Um, throwing the takes and william freaking told the stunt guy that had like the cable attached to her like i want you to like put her ass on the ground as hard as you can like she can't do this on her own so when she screams in pain i think she like um she hurt her back right fractured her tailbone or something yeah like it's like so that that's like that's really real and he, he would like fire guns on set like with blanks to like scare people and get them like jittery and stuff like what well, yeah, well, you freaking is he's kind of known as like a like a, a true hollywood like bad boy that like people don't usually talk very pleasant like he's effective at what he does but um he certainly had to we'll say unconventional methods for, for getting a lot of the stuff out of this um yeah, there's a lot. I mean, there's story after story with the production of this movie of like things that like you would never work in Hollywood again, probably today. <laughs> if you did, like yeah. that story would would be, Jeez. you know, out on the tabloids and like this production would shut down and you, you would probably be fired. So, so I'd read that she hurt her back for real, but I didn't realize it was because of that reason. So that's yep. wow. Yep. When Father Dyer like wasn't able to do the last rights bit. Uh, which we'll talk about like he he slapped him across the face so when his hand you see his hand shaking that's because he was like so stunned and upset that like a grown man had just like slapped him across the face the face like, again things you would never do today <laughs> it's a different time i guess not that wow. that excuses the behavior but Ooh. yeah that's um, like when you read about like uh kubrick speaking of like the shining you know is one of the options that we had for this week like some of the stuff that he put people through on that film as well you're just like yeah these guys it was productive protective at least over a little danny lloyd who thought he was in a family drama like for <laughs> years years and years he never knew he was oh, in a horror no. film they just told wow. him he was in like a family yeah drama so like yeah the they had a lot of creative ways of like selling like what the scenes were versus what they actually were but, yeah wow yep uh let's talk about that crucifix scene because i feel like that is uh number one it's like an infamous like scene you know probably the most infamous uh scene maybe not the most famous but the most infamous certainly like the pea soup comes up and the spinning head comes up a lot when you hear this movie talk (laughs) about but this one is always the one that like people talk about for shock factor where if you're hanging with this movie up to this point probably as a contemporary audience in 1972 like this may have been the straw that broke the camel's back um so we'll talk about your note meter in a second but uh (laughs) as a first time watcher i you know will try to put yourself back when you first saw it and then of course may like as a first time watcher uh did this shock you do you think it's still shocking um now as a modern audience member it did yeah it uh like came not entirely after out of left field because at that point like she or like the the demon had been saying like extremely vulgar things um and so like guess it's like kind of foreshadowing but yeah no it 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 caught me off guard and 
I feel like that's good because you do feel that like horror that the mom must feel walking in on this. I think that's when I started to actually like feel some fear for this, this little girl. Um, up until then, it's easier to kind of like keep some distance, but that moment between mother and daughter is just like so heartbreaking. Um, it's, it's definitely what like pulled me in and like grabbed my attention for the rest of the film. Yeah, it seems to be the moment that Chris McNeil, I think, too, like decides that like, like to hell with like the medical professionals, like, like we gotta we gotta explore, you know, the uh, the shock treatment option as they call it. Um, yeah. Um, Will, do you remember what what you thought of this the first? Did you know this was in the movie? Like when you sat down to watch it the first time, like it, did you have any like warning? I had no warning about it. And I actually didn't even remember that it happened. Um, I mean, if I if it registered the first time I saw this movie, I'd forgotten that this was even in there watching it again. And I have no idea why, because it literally is like the most <laughs> shocking part of the entire film. Um, but I guess in some ways it helped me relive that shock I, somehow. But yeah, that to me, I was just like, whoa, okay, yeah, here we go. Uh, but that would be my nope moment. That would be like the 10 for me. I'd be like, all right, <laughs> uh, you you can't stay here. <laughs> but you're, you're still sticking with the, the daughter, not putting her up for adoption. I feel like that's more of a, that's more of an eight, you know, a nine. Like, I feel like I, 10 I, is I, like, 10 is like, still your, family. like <laughs> you're, you're like, it's abandonment, man. Like it's every person for themselves, but um, uh, that's true. If I have, if, if, if it literally is the, I am, uh, yeah, I'm disowning my child and letting the demon like take her, then <laughs> we're putting her away someplace, you know, as yeah. she, as she says like, yeah, I don't, I, then if, if that is the extreme version of that meter, then no, I wouldn't be there yet. Um, but that's definitely getting close, like the eight. <laughs> mark where yeah. it's like okay, yeah and not i don't know I, don't, I feel like disownment really shouldn't i don't really want to put not it on my maybe like I, putting yeah. her like in a psychiatric facility we'll yeah then we would we'll be kinder yeah well there's definitely some some professional help is needed to address the the self-mutilation so that would be that might be my 10 then uh for those yeah That's i do fair. think that that i i agree that would be my that would be the point I would put her in a hospital if she was actively hurting herself that way. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> I don't remember if this was before or after. I think it was before this, and I don't want to completely gloss over it, but I would like to talk about all the medical tests she has to go through at some oh, point. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it's it's definitely before before this, but yeah, that those scenes. Um, I've seen people like react worse to uh, to those scenes than, than the crucifix in terms of like yeah. squeamishness. That, I am people. I am people. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I agree 100% because that feels more real to me than anything else in this film. It's just like the torture of going through all of that. So yeah, no, I'm 100%. Especially when like they, you know, they stick her and the blood starts to spurt out and I'm just like, oh, yeah, that, that got me. That was, yeah, very scary scene for me even though it's like a semi-controlled environment it's like you don't know how she's going to react because she is pretty clearly not herself at that point um yeah. and you're worried she's just going to do something that's going to like actually make things really worse because she has like needles and shit in her and dangerous machines all around her yeah that, yeah still that being is... like conscious for some of that too 
sorry chris that was all i thought <laughs> no 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 no. yeah i mean that's a good point like you know there's like I, I as somebody who's like seen it this movie a million times you kind of forget like you like not knowing in the moment like like oh is the fucking demon gonna pop off and um you know grab a surgical instrument or you know like start ripping stuff out like yeah you don't know um yeah as somebody who's like been through like a um angiogram where they like you know cut a little hole in your femoral artery and run a camera up your leg and all that like you are awake for that and it's terrible dude like um I, I straight up did not have a good time and like that scene kind of like affects me in a way that it didn't used to because like it's not the same exact thing that she's going through but sort of that like twilight awareness and like it's very uncomfortable and like uh it takes a while like I just like I always get a little sweaty when I <laughs> when I see that now in a way that I, I didn't quite used to she's also just so young like yeah. I um I was fortunate I not to do any like scans or tests or like that like when I was a kid but when I was like 18 I had to go in and get an x-ray in this giant machine and that was terrifying because it was my first time doing something like that and you're very vulnerable and exposed and it's it's just not great I can't imagine going through that at, at 12 when there's some demonic thing inside of you too <laughs> no yeah and like i love the little sob that chris mcneil gives like when they're in the hallway talking after they've kind of sedated her and they're like we have to do this again it's gonna involve another spinal and she just like lets out this like very realistic sob that is like yeah the only the only thing it can be is like a sob of a mom who like doesn't want to put her child through like any more of that like i think it's a really great moment from ellen bernstein like a bit of little acting you know yeah so going quickly back to the crucifix like moment like I don't know, man, like masturbate. I hate, I hesitate to even use the word masturbation. I know that's what everyone calls this, but it's mut more mutilation. But see, yeah. if I walked in, saw my daughter mutilating herself, and then she shoved my face like into her pubic region and smeared <laughs> blood all over my face and then slapped me across the room. Like, yeah, you're, uh, you're going to the best help I can afford to send you to like in an inpatient facility, like full stop, like, um, I, I like I I would be absolutely terrified both of like what she would do to herself but also just like the entire situation I think like anybody would be willing to forgive you <laughs> making that decision and being like I've reached my like my wits end on like what to do you know here and I I do <laughs> want to say to I don't want to say devil's advocate for this movie but uh <laughs> hey, what, what? I, I I do want to say like I do understand the mother's hesitation to send her to a hospital because those were nowhere near what we think of an inpatient psychiatric hospital as being today. Today, Great they are point. still pretty fucked up. Um, and I think there's also a little bit of her reputation uh, on the line since she is sure. a celebrity. And I think that if she can at all manage this in her house without word getting out that you know she's shipped her daughter off to a psych hospital, She's going to do that. Um, yeah, that's a really I still would have point. made a different call, but I, I, I do see her perspective there. Yeah, like uh, context is everything. Like, uh, uh, and you, and they kind of contrast that a little bit with like with uh, Damien Karras, like, right? And like his mom and like uh -huh. the decision he's trying to make yeah. there and what like a state run play. Like that's obviously supposed to be kind of like worst case scenario but obviously like there's a sort of stigma tied to that 
and even him as a you know a medical professional because he is like he's a priest but he's also a medical professional doesn't seem to have the highest opinion you know um of of that in all circumstances so let's fast forward a little bit and kind of like get into it all with like father Karras and you know kind of how things escalate we won't have time to go like scene for scene but um let's talk about him as a character because i think like along with chris mcneil and reagan like he is probably like the heart of this movie for me and has maybe the like the one of the most interesting arcs in the film so did you guys like damian Karras? you think he's uh you like him as a character he's he's not perfect but i think that ultimately he means well he means to help but it is arguable though so (laughs) but sorry may go ahead (laughs) no i i'm sorry i thought you were done um He's very sympathetic and um, I think they go at great lengths to show that this is not an easy decision for him to perform the exorcism. He's not kind of like chomping at the bit, looking for like opportunities to, to do these, um, which just, just like knowing what I know about true crime and other cases of exorcism definitely feels like pro-exorcism propaganda. <laughs> I don't know. because <laughs> uh, generally it is more of a kind of a sideshow publicity kind of thing not a oh yeah these are dire circumstances and you know putting all this thought into it kind of thing um but as he's portraying the film yes he's very likable and sympathetic and you just kind of want to give the guy a hug or a head pat or something the whole movie <laughs> yeah like the the crisis of faith like obviously spoke to me because again this was at like a very formative point in my life like with my own like religious experiences but also like you know as somebody dealing with an aging parent right and he's frustrated because he doesn't want to force his mom to do anything but he's worried about her um and then like the guilt oh man that's the most catholic thing ever it's just the overwhelming guilt that he feels the entire rest of the film once his mom passes away and he's not there um is all like it's very relatable i mean if you're not catholic it's very relatable um aspects um that he's got this sort of conflict between like the secular world and the spiritual world and what does he believe what is and you know um just that he feels inadequate right like with helping people with their with their spiritual problems and then of course he's presented with the um you know this huge test of uh, of faith and like a chance to do something good that's sort of in that wheelhouse right all right well let's, let's talk about the finale which includes the arrival of um Marin. i, I called him maris earlier i think father Marin, uh mm-hmm. played by max von sidhow um and really from the time he gets there like that like there's very little sort of like closure after that it's like most of the movie from that point is just that the exorcist itself or the exorcism i should say uh itself um one of the coolest movie sets ever like they it was a refrigerated room to get that breath you know they couldn't digitally do in breath so it was a refrigerated room which is really neat uh I think one of the, some of the scariest bits that happen, obviously in the thing too, like with the changing voices and things. Um, did you guys, and maybe not enjoy Did you find the finale effective? Um, it definitely surprised me. Like I said, I wasn't, I was not anticipating that twist. I thought they were just going to chant at her until the, the, the demon left. Uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, it definitely caught me off guard. It's, you're talking about the suicide, I'm assuming, like the jumping out yeah. of the window. Yeah. yeah. It was sad because you do feel like that wasn't just a selfless move on Father's part. He 
was very broken at that point and um seems like he didn't see too much point in life anyway um which is very dark um i guess it kind of was just like the best way he could see to do it the the like kind of final moments uh with father dyer i thought was very sweet but now it's like less so now that i know he got slapped in the face (laughs) i know sorry sorry to color your opinion but yeah the the squeezing of the hand it's such a beautiful thing i don't even think i noticed that the first time i saw it that he was squeezing Mm -hmm. the responses i like that it um it, it felt like a very human and messy ending rather than a very straightforward ah yes we we, we struck out the evil good good job priest <laughs> you know well, yeah like i i i love like this like last stretch like the ex- exorcism itself like it's one of those things like i know it's um it's just movie magic and stuff like as far as like the, how the room is lit and everything like it's like he would never like put some lights on in that play do you got to do it in like this like dimly lit where like you know but it, it works like it's effective and i think everything from like the rotating head to her like flying you know floating up into the air is all still very very scary and the part that still gives me chills is when she like is like got her hands like reach reaching up and she's sort of silhouetted and you see the statue that was in Iraq earlier in the film um, mm-hmm. behind her and she's making that weird moan like that still like gives me absolute goosebumps like every time I see it because um, I think it's it's weird and kind of off-putting I th- I, I'm afraid the head turn really took me out of it because yeah. I'm like okay that 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 would kill her like that <laughs> she's yeah. not coming back from that <laughs> Yeah, it's just extreme chiropractic. <laughs> like yeah. I buy her being stronger than normal and like faster than normal and that kind of stuff, but it is uh it is definitely uh, it's wild. Like I love that mannequin. It's it's kind of cut beautifully where like you can't quite register that it's like a it's a it's a mannequin that they made to to right. do that. Yeah. Um but uh yeah i'm sure again probably in the contemporary audience has probably lost their minds uh <laughs> with something like that like props to linda blair who yeah dude. i Honestly. know it's not her not her voice like for like some of the demon bits it's dubbed but just the facial expressions and the contortion of her body and all of that stuff oh my goodness like what a performance all right well I we already all hit our max nope meter, so that's why I kind of stopped doing the check-ins because like we're we're out before these characters. Uh, anybody want to add anything before we move on to uh, to Midsummer? Um, only that I was when I re- I remember watching the film and just thinking that Father Marin was just gonna like I I, mean, I I I thought he was gonna die at the beginning of the film. I feel like the first second just like how frail and how like disoriented he seems, and then when they talked about how long that he did an exorcism for previously. And it, uh, I feel like I was always interested to see how long it was going to take this go around. And so to your point, Chris, about how you talk about when it, the film just hits the gas and doesn't let up and then it's just like, bam, it's done. That it just seems so abrupt that, you know, we had that one scene where he was working really hard and then he's just you know off camera you see that he just passes and so whatever had happened between that you know i i just thought that was so sudden and kind of expected but i mean i guess sort of unexpected for the circumstance and what was happening right before everything then the big twist or the big surprise and all that with damien so 
that was only other thought. <laughs> yeah, I, I wonder if modern audiences, uh, or sorry, contemporary audiences would have been primed for that or not. Like, you know me, New Hollywood. So like, this is like a few years into that movement. Um, yeah. If they would have been expecting that or if it would have still been unexpected. Because um, I know the happy ending wasn't, uh, you know, something that was um is overly done probably by this point um so maybe people would have been primed for that or not i don't know but it's kind of a, a crazy one-two punch like Marin goes and then you know father karis is like uh like fuck taking days i'm gonna just gonna beat the shit out of you and demand that you possess me <laughs> we're, go we're going the short route baby <laughs> oh, and yeah out he goes uh that stunt's really cool too like the that's the only thing i'll add that's the going down the stairs and uh, one of my favorite production stories is a bunch of like neighborhood kids um were selling tickets to come up on the rooftop to like watch the stunt happen and the guy fucked it up the first time so i had to do it a second time and uh so yeah a bunch of neighborhood kids were making money um that's like, amazing people could go up on the roof and watch the the stunt guy go all the way down uh those steps are still there by the way um and nice. so if you're ever in georgetown you can do a little pilgrimage and go check it out <laughs> now when you say fucked nice. up, did he get hurt or did he just mess up no <laughs> i i think like it just didn't sell it right um or maybe uh, the coverage was blown on one of the cameras or something like that um or maybe they needed extra coverage but they they had to do it twice um i was almost because the rate we're going it was like he was pushed down the stairs by yeah, someone William was like <laughs> was like hey um uh, how many stairs do you think it, like, there are down there and the guy's like one two he just ah kicks him <laughs> yeah. oh my god uh let's go from the uh streets of georgetown to uh the idyllic uh sunny vistas of i forget the name of the place already um it's very sweden sounding yeah it's, it's sweden but like <laughs> the village uh let's see if i could find this in here but anyway uh let's let's talk some midsummer shall we uh at the top first of all may i'm so super stoked that uh you made it through this it's a tough watch um, I'm sorry, um, but also um, like super, super stoked that uh, you made it through because I, th I think it is a journey like worth taking if you if you can stomach it, and we'll we'll certainly get into that. So, props to you, congratulations! <laughs> like, thank you. <laughs> it's not that I was like thinking I couldn't do it. It's just I'm the kind of person that if if I know an experience is going to be uncomfortable, and the reward isn't there, I'm like, eh. But the reward is now a podcast, so I did it. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> um, and I will say, like in your defense, this is the most uh, to give you some background with my experience, and of course, I want to hear your impressions. Both, uh, this is the most I've ever like sweat and been physically uncomfortable in a movie theater. I saw this uh, at our little local Sunray, and um, made the mistake of ordering a barbecue pizza. Uh, oh, got, got no. through, I got to the opening bit and I like pushed it away and I was like that's for later <laughs> like, um but like I, I like I've never sweat so much in a in a like a movie theater before and been just so um I don't know like uh, on edge and dialed up um before or since like seeing this movie so um the props I'm giving you are genuine because like I feel like I have a very high tolerance and not much phases me in the world of horror and th this was like a different piece for me, for sure. General impressions. Uh, 
May, I'm we're going to go to you first here again. So tell us a little bit about your experience with Midsummer. Um, so I watched this with Patrick actually, and he, we just mutually decided about an hour in we need an intermission and paused it for a bit because <laughs> you're just so full of dread and repulsion. <laughs> Was was it before the scene or like was it like um, it was it, it was after some heads get smashed. Um. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Uh, so we took a little break then, and then we buckled down for it. But um, whew, I um, so I mentioned earlier I felt more afraid during The Exorcist and. I would I would say my feeling during midsummer was just uh just just unrelenting dread. I was never too afraid because I I mean obviously just because it's a, been such a successful film, I did know kind of what happened and kind of how it ended, but also just the way it's set up, how broken Danny and Christian's relationship seems, how broken Danny seems going into it. The fact that like these these guys um, all seem a little bit pent up and volatile, and they're going into this very strange village. Um, I just felt as soon as they got there that like, yeah, none of these people are leaving. Um, and I don't know about you guys, but for me, to feel true fear, I need to like think I need to have like a little glimmer of hope. And I didn't really have that. I was like, okay, these people are going to meet terrible ends. Let's 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 see how that happens. <laughs> so yeah, it was it was uh, masterfully done, like truly a cinematic masterpiece. The score was incredible, um, but I hated it. I it was <laughs> it was a dreadful experience. Be- beautifully crafted, dreadful experience. <laughs> I'm sure Ari Aster would probably take that as a huge compliment. <laughs> God, what a fucking weird movie, man. Um, <laughs> though I, uh, yeah, I jokingly referred off uh, before we recorded it, referred to it as a, a girl wins a, a dance competition and drops her toxic boyfriend. You know, it's, uh, it is, it is something. I, um, yeah, it was, it was sort of one of those films where having watched plenty of slasher movies and sort of I don't know I'd seen Hereditary and so sort of wondering if it would feel like that in terms of the build-up the slow build and that there is some very surprising sudden violence that happens um, but wondering just how much of that there would be I was actually pleasantly surprised that it wasn't as gory beyond that one scene that it that it was like then it was I sort of expected there to be like I don't know, maybe more to it than that. And so I was glad to know that it wasn't like just a bunch of body mutilation that was going to follow later. But that first, you know, the first big shocker, man, you know, when you see the the head smashing, you know, the the uh, the old folks taking the dive off the side of the cliff, I thought, okay, so what's the, <laughs> when people start to disappear later, how, how much am I going to see of that, you know? And, and so, but most of that's not, it's just people just suddenly start, leaving and you hear one story about what supposedly happened to them and then you come to find out at the very end just sort of where they all ended up um and you kind of had that feeling that okay this is probably where it's going to end um location wise 
for the, the the temple that's there but yeah leading up to it I was like I didn't really know what to expect I, I thought there were plenty of moments that are very beautiful um, artistically stylistically very beautiful the music I agree with is great um, that feeling of dread is definitely there you're not really sure how I mean you like you said May you, you assume everybody's gonna not make it out in the end so you're just wondering how that's gonna happen um, I think for me going into it I was more just the frustration that I felt for most of it was actually just directed at the the main guys that were there because they are just so unlikable and so you're sort of wondering if you're supposed to like really hate the people that they go to visit as much <laughs> you know? um, as you probably should because they're not great either they do some questionable shady stuff but um yeah man what a ride I uh <laughs> And we'll probably talk about it later, but that sex scene, man, was just so weird. <laughs> yep. Um, uh, our our friend uh, uh, Becca um, from uh, Keg and Coin, uh -huh. uh, May was there with her, her son. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no. She did, she did not read because she's like, oh, horror, like, you know, she'll let him watch anything like horror related. And that it just went on and on and on. And uh, I think both of them were properly embarrassed, as you would imagine. Um, a little uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I don't have much to add other than like um, I just I think um, probably one of my favorite aspects of this is watching Florence Pugh as Danny. I think the journey that she goes on, like in, in you know throughout the movie, um, from where she starts to where she ends, and just. It's just really interesting to watch that performance and to kind of see how she processes it versus everyone else. Um, and we'll get into that a little bit, um, you know, as we talk about like the, how the plot unfolds. But um, number one, uh, I don't think I've ever felt so gut wrenched by crying as like I do when I hear Florence Pugh cry in this movie. Yeah. Like, uh, like that scene on the couch in the beginning when she's like sobbing. Uh, it's just like... Uh, it makes me like tense up and just feel horrible, not just because of what's happened, but just watching somebody in that kind of pain. It's fully believable. Um, but yeah, I, I, think, I, I love the commitment to actually showing ugly crying because in so mm. many movies, the girl has to do the pretty cry, the little sniffle. And this when, when you are truly heartbroken, this is how you cry. And I was just I, I appreciated the commitment, <laughs> especially from Florence Pugh. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, it's it, it's very real, grounded. But um, the only other thing I'll add is I I think that's probably the prettiest horror film that's ever been made, like in my opinion. And I think there's nothing quite like it. I think it is wholly unique and uh, unconventional in so many different ways. So that's why that's why I picked it. Um, so let's let's dive into the to the plot and the nopometer. We're gonna kind of skip over the preamble. I will talk. It's important for context. To kind of just say what happens, which is her uh, sister, I think they say has bipolar disorder. Yes. Um, yeah. Yep. Uh, tragically murders uh, their parents and commits suicide um, in sort of, uh, I guess, the middle of winter, right? Um, it's a very uh, big just juxtaposition, right? With like how it opens in sort of this ur uh, urban landscape with like snow everywhere. And uh, you get the sense that things aren't great between her and her boyfriend. And uh, then it kind of fast forwards um, 
you know, a few months and they reveal that their, uh, their, their mutual college buddy has invited them to his village in Sweden to participate in a midsummer festival. They get invited and Danny, um, yeah, uh, twists his arm and understandably upset because he's sort of like, you know, conveniently forgotten to tell her that like he's going on this European uh, trip and off they go. All right. So the first juncture I want to check in with the Nopometer is you arrive in this beautiful field where there's rolling hills and somebody walks up to you with a bag of, of drugs. Like, what's your what's your Nope meter at? Stranger with a bag of drugs. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. No judgment here, by the way. Like, no judgment. Are we saying you would continue? I, I, I would look at it from the perspective of I wouldn't take it, but I would still hang out sure. just to see where this is going to go. So it's yeah. probably not really that weird to me that that would be... Yeah. Because they have established at this point that they are okay doing drugs together. Yes, yes. In college. So mm-hmm. I'm not like phased at all by that. That actually seems like on par for me. Like, okay, this is the first step in this journey we're doing out, you know, in the in the country. And yeah, so this is, <laughs> this will get the vibes right for how things are going to go. So um, yeah, I wouldn't find that weird at all. I'm at a zero personally. I would take some tea. This is like the ideal like environment (laughs) for me to to do it. Um, you know, like even though there are like strangers, like it's like, yeah, sure. Sorry, go ahead. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, you're good. You're good. Um, yeah, no, I I'd say I wouldn't be rooted out by the drugs, especially because it's like his uh it's their friend's friends. So it's not like a complete stranger, right? Um for me it's just like seeing a bunch of people suddenly stand up out of a field all wearing the same clothes i think i would be at a four <laughs> nice really okay that I lo- that's I love you, guys, it. you guys got a uniform out here that's fishy <laughs> he has kind of pitched them as being like rustic so like for me i think like because i'm dumb and naive and i'd probably be the first to die in a horror film like um i'd probably be like oh they're like quakers or something or like Amish. i don't know like sure <laughs> like fine uh as a sidebar my have a horror movie about that too maybe about the amish (laughs) and the quakers i would love to see (laughs) kind of like um kingpin but like more sinister you know oh yes um as a sidebar my my favorite like very realistic like depiction of taking psychedelic drugs is when (laughs) one of the friends i think it's the will polter character is like Oh no, more people. <laughs> like they're all tripping. <laughs> he's like, I don't want more people right now. New people. Or he's like, oh, it's new people, is what he says. Um, nice. uh, which is very funny to me. But um can you lay down? Can you lay down for me right now, please? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all of that is really well done, honestly. Like um yeah. the way things kind of move and breathe, like uh it's great. And then of course, poor Danny has a uh a bad trip, you know, goes running into the um the woods and we kind of see that uh she's obviously still healing and um she thinks that like some of the other people are laughing at her and then kind of passes out i guess like overnight and is kind of confused so upon awakening um so the next juncture is like you get to the the village and they walk through this like amazing stunning like sun gate for lack of a better word uh and there's people literally playing like like flute music and shit it's like something out of a wagner opera i don't know um to kind of welcome them 
is that disconcerting concerning to you guys or is would that be like oh this is lovely how would you feel about that i would that i would actually enjoy that <laughs> i would feel very relaxed <laughs> okay i might even you? be convinced to try the tea at that point possibly yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i love it can you repeat the question i'm sorry <laughs> you walk through this giant sun gate which is like you know kind of like a stargate but like i don't know like uh more resplendent uh and people are playing music and standing around like in more of the cult garb like how's that is that putting you at ease or is it ramping up the note meter for you since you're at a four already i'm at nine whoa <laughs> damn <laughs> so, you, so you're basically you're gonna poli politely turn around or are you running like at a nine like back like the, the oh I'm, I'm politely turning around i'm uh <laughs> i'm uh i'm gonna try to get my uh my friends to come with me um and and if not you know i'm just gonna tell them i'm making a supply run yeah. <laughs> you're like well if not like you know the social darwinism's a thing i guess kind of sort <laughs> um no 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 I'll, I'll drive back in a week if any of them are still alive i'll take i'll take them home <laughs> <laughs> damn all right so you're a nine so will you're you're at like still at ease like i feel like my hackles would go up just a little bit um because that feels a little more culty than like oh it's a bunch of college age folks like tripping out like in the woods like sure that seems like in line um because that village is beautiful, but there is something unsettling. Maybe it's the sharp angles. Um, I don't know, like what it is, but I feel like it would. It does put me off a little bit. Um, as you tour the facility, it, like, is your opinion going like changing at all? So we got like yes. the communal sleeping. We've got yes. uh, more people that we meet. What is it that would 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 move the note meter for you? The bear in the cage. The yeah. fact that no one talks about the bear in the cage, and also <laughs> the um, obvious foreshadowing depicted on this—was it like a quilt or like a, a like of the oh, lovely love potion? The, yeah. the love story about where all that shit is coming from, and no, something is going to happen. Somebody's going to get stabbed, or somebody's going to cut something, and I'm and put it in food that's, and no, that's no. a tale as old as time how did your courtship work man that's like, witchcraft <laughs> <laughs> for me it would be the communal sleeping like i even without even before knowing there would be a baby sleeping there every night as well like i'm i'm just not doing that like if i wasn't able to turn around earlier i'd go camp out on those fields again <laughs> let's 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 get to the the scene um first of all i i i found this fascinating because like i didn't catch the first time i saw it that josh actually josh this time seems to know what this ritual is when they talk mm -hmm. about it the night before and I, I i feel like it's kind of a dick move to not like at least give a heads up to your friends do you agree first of all that like Hey, I don't know if they're serious about this, but like, this is my understanding of this like ritual and what this entails. Like, heads up. Can we all agree on that? Yes. And like, I, I had a hard time getting a read on him as a character, too. Because he's he's very quiet, and the couple lines he does say are either very just cold and removed, maybe just supposed to be like the academic guy or just actively dickish. 
I think it's both. I think he's kind of like the cutthroat academic that like wants to make the name for himself. And then him and Christian are kind of in competition a little bit because they have a similar field. And um, I don't think you're supposed to like him. <laughs> like, yes. Yes. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. I don't think you're supposed to like any of those guys. Uh, kind of, <laughs> But the, yeah, I don't know. It was weird. It was like he wanted them to be shocked by it. Like he knew it was going to be something. And he probably may or may not have thought it was going to be as real as it turned out to be. But I think that he wanted them to feel shocked or disturbed by it. So that's why he was just sort of like keeping like just staying quiet, not saying anything. But I don't know. I mean, I could see it going either way. That he either knew that those old folks were going to take the plunge or that they weren't. Or maybe he didn't know if they were really going to, that they would have the um the will to do it versus maybe that was like culturally that he knew that they had done it before from what he'd read about or where it was with that so yeah i could i could see it going either way yeah um he does seem somewhat shocked like in the reaction shot you know cuts to him um maybe that's just because knowing something academically versus like seeing it carry out in practice are obviously two different things but um yeah, I don't know. I, I think I'm going to land firmly in the camp that he's just a dick and uh, withholds the information, <laughs> you know, to just be a dick. Um, so let's talk about the scene um, itself. So the uh, two elder members of the tribe have a lot of pomp and circumstance for what most of the other characters don't, well, the our, our uh, sort of American characters don't know is like their last meal. Uh, and they're carried from the table all the way up to the top of this precipice that is near the the village and they proceed to uh take a dive off the top um to in order to basically sacrifice themselves for for the good of the tribe and to kind of kick off this midsummer festival uh what a scene huh um the first one's <laughs> pretty bad uh the second one is the one that is like the worst to me um because as soon as i saw him go pencil dive i was like oh no like i'm <laughs> like not how you buddy. Do it, man. <laughs> no like um i mean call a spade a spade like it is it's gross it is definitely like visceral and it like in most movies i feel like the camera would cut away more than it does in this like it really just kind of like makes you look on um it, putting you into kind of the shoes of the the characters that are like the American characters that are um, sort of mortified and having to, to watch this whole thing go down. So I, I do want to hear your thoughts on it because it's such a pivotal scene. And then um, I, I think I can guess where the note meters probably are, <laughs> but I'll, I'll certainly take the feedback just in case there's some more surprises. Maybe Will's back down to like a one. <laughs> I don't know. Guys, let's just hear them out. Okay. There's probably a reason. Like <laughs> Did you all not get the memo about what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I um, I was wondering when I, you see the guy with the big mallet. I'm like, okay, so what? They're just gonna like bash their head on this like over here on this pedestal, and then they were they walked up to the top of the cliff, and I'm like, oh, so maybe they still use it. But I'm like, but what? And then when that happened, I was like, oh, it's like to put him out of his his misery if he messes it up because he did. So. <laughs> dude i'd be out of there so fast i wouldn't even say <laughs> what the fuck is this? i just run just go just go. don't give them a chance <laughs> i don't know if i could i would even like wait for somebody to go off that cliff like personally i think as soon as i put two and two together i'd be like y'all enjoy like have fun like yep. yeah i yeah i 
<laughs> I was already feeling a lot of dread, but it just, it got so much worse when I realized that the crowd of people was not standing at the top of the cliff, but at the bottom, just mm-hmm. a more fucked up place to stand. <laughs> right. Bring um, the tarp. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> please stand at least this far back from the, the splash um, <laughs> yeah I, I i did kind of cover up the screen with my hand briefly then just because like i said on the pod before i'm really bad with like head gore specifically and then of course because of the way this is edited i thought it was over like looked at it and then they showed another like close-up <laughs> okay we're back <laughs> In case you looked away two seconds ago, just to remind you. It really feels like it was edited specifically to attack me, okay? <laughs> yeah, it's unconventional. Like I said, I think like there would have been like the one shot in most of these and like you're done and it does not do that at all. Yeah. So yeah, just seeing that I would realistically be out, but I do get why this is kind of the first thing they do because you you can kind of see like having a cultural difference around like aging and dying um and like this is just a really strange form of assisted suicide (laughs) and like like you can kind of rationalize it right but to me the weirdest part is just that like there's this whole viewing party gathering at the bottom specifically to see the goriest part like not to like send them off from the top of the cliff, but to deal with the aftermath. So yeah, that I, I'm, I'm back in the car. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm certainly like, I think if not all, like if I'm in their shoes for a second, I think it, like the lowest I would be is an eight. You know what I mean? Like if I'm like an anthropologist, like student who's trying to understand cultural relativism and all that stuff but I, I don't think I could be below an eight even like if I was like an academic in that situation because you have no frame of reference for something like this I feel like it would still be you know shocking and uh, it, you know to the movie's credit that everyone is fairly shocked um even if they're there's kind of a spectrum of, of where they're all at like obviously the one couple like they're they're like all of us <laughs> they're like nah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's it this is fucked up like yeah and they're they're gone and i think those are the people that probably most of the audience members are gonna sympathize the most with um i do love one of my favorite things about everyone being at the bottom uh, is you get the sort of trend that carries throughout the rest of the movie of this sort of idea of like communal feeling where and suffering where they all kind of mimic the cries of pain together it's a very unsettling and sort of like beautiful thing that is like repeated a few times in the movie where um it's not just moments of pain because they do it in the the uh will's favorite scene the, the overly long uncomfortable <laughs> sex scene <laughs> where they're they're mimicking the ecstasy as well uh, but i think it's it's unsettling in both cases regardless um and you kind of see that carry over and it's a, a a nice um kind of indication that uh the way that this tribe views um the human experience is probably quite different <laughs> than the rest of uh their their guests so yeah to that it's like they function it's very interesting because it's, it's it's obviously a very communal society but they function kind of like parts of a larger organism in a lot of mm-hmm. ways um yes. and that individualistic 
pain and joy, like you said, but also agency and boundaries just doesn't exist. Yeah. Like for example, when, um, Christian's like, I think she put a pube in my, uh, <laughs> uh food and the response is so great. Cause it's something to the effect of like, yes, that's very possible. Like, or that's very likely. <laughs> like, yeah, like, <laughs> that makes sense. That tracks. Yeah. yeah. Like we've, um, <laughs> So she wants to, to mix up the gene pool a little bit. It's like, what's the big deal? So since we've established our note meters are at this point, like are all pretty much maxed out, we'll stop doing check-ins there. Uh, I want to open up the table a little bit for anybody to talk about anything that you want with the, the movie. So any particular aspects or scenes, anything at all um, that really struck you or that you enjoyed or didn't enjoy about Midsummer. The thing that I hadn't like gleaned from the kind of like, what I, what I know pop culture wise about the movie was just uh, how important drugs are in all of this. And um, I think the fact that they have to con- continuously like ply people with various like beverages and drugs to get their boundaries down. Even, even the people who like were born and raised in this village, right? Helps to communicate the fact that none of these people are first, none of these people are in the right minds, right? <laughs> no. um, but second just yeah like there's been this, this whole wholesale degradation of boundaries and the normal things that you rely on to function in society and that's part of why shit hits the fan so so epically yeah there's kind of a pervasive madness like i feel like always like lurking underneath the surface and the drugs are uh, you know a bit of a, a part of that and um it's pretty clear by the end that it is like coercive uh that in other words like they're not going to charm anybody into doing the things that they're going to do and like yeah maybe they view it as sort of like religious aspect of their their festival but um it certainly increases like the the menacing tone um as 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 you get sort of towards the climax with just the way everything looks and i don't know man um uh, talk about a bad trip you know (laughs) Oh, you will. Any, any, anything in particular that you wanted to hit on with, uh, with Midsummer? Hit on with a mallet. Um, yeah. I, <laughs> the uh, mallet of mercy. <laughs> yeah. Oof, yeah. Maybe I, uh, <laughs> I, so actually I'm glad that you brought up the drugs because I feel like, I don't know with everything else that they're able to coerce people with using those drugs, you would think they would have something that would be a little less painful for when somebody wants to pass or when they get to the end of their life and it's time to go. You would think that it would be a little less jump off the cliff and mutilate yourself. Um, And maybe just some like a nice tea that would just make you pass out and fall asleep. And so I I just thought that was interesting. and then I guess also to to some extent, seeing that whatever drug they gave to the two volunteers from the village that offered to have themselves burned alive doesn't really seem to work. Out no, <laughs> at all. That they say that it will. They're like, oh, this will help ease your passing. And it's like, and that dude catches on fire. He just like screams. And I'm like, yeah, no shit. <laughs> don't do that this is bad you know and but it's like it's too late and so yeah that was and yet strangely enough they scream and christian is like what christian's been suited up in in the bear 
Um, paralyzed. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, he's paralyzed. And yet, so I don't know. It's like, does he feel any of that? Or is he just, he is just paralyzed. He just can't move. I think the um, implication is he can't, he just can't express it. Like yeah. he's unable to speak or move. So Man. it's internal screaming. Yeah. So that was the only thing of just off the drugs was like, why can't you make this easier? You've made all these other things easier to, to convince people to do what you want, but you can't like just, you know, slip them some really strong drug to, to you know, just make them die. But there's yeah. part of me that wonders like if maybe it's like suffering is part of it a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. like yeah. the pageantry, Cathartic. like there's got to be suffering, you know, like in other words, like maybe the sacrifice doesn't mean as much if it's like easy and painless which is pretty grim to think about but like giving your life it wouldn't be enough it'd have to be in this way that can produce suffering potentially certainly not a good way to go but you think anyone's ever jumped ship out of this village like look all this like (laughs) yeah give me that story about like the guy just trying to assimilate into like western culture uh (laughs) and like he goes to like i don't know like a summer picnic and like is like suspicious you know like, what's going on here now oh, they're gonna play some music on the bandstand and we're gonna have a couple ipas and like what's in this what's in this <laughs> <laughs> who's who's being sacrificed where's it happen does it happen on the bandstand you know like um i just it doesn't seem like you could ever relax here everyone's puts all in there is like they're like you know um kind of in tune with nature and stuff but it doesn't seem like a very relaxing place. And maybe it's not like this all the time. They do say this is like a once in what, 94 year thing. So maybe it's like quite lovely, you know, <laughs> like like the other 93 years, like uh, before it happens, who knows, but probably not. Right. I don't know. Is it only that often? Because I, I thought it was kind of implied that, um, I'm also forgetting his name, but the the one villager that's also a college student um, that like brought them there. Uh, when he talks about his parents dying in a fire, I thought he was saying that they died in that ritual, like in the the burning ritual. Yeah, um, certainly could interpret it that way. I, maybe the 94 year thing was like uh, I don't know misleading. They certainly show a bunch of May queens, like so maybe certain aspects of it are done every year and other aspects of it aren't like, yeah because cameras haven't existed all that long yeah no yeah there's no way that there's that many queens, like, <laughs> going back, unless they're secretly like tech wizards as well yeah so yeah i um oh god i have a lot of things to talk about with with, with this film but uh a thing that kind of bothers me is like christian's obviously an asshole we we can all agree that on that right um but like he's clearly extremely drugged up by the time danny's like crowned may queen and doesn't even know where he is like he's extremely inebriated um and like everything that happens from that point is like intensely coerced and i just i have a slight pet peeve with uh calling the very uncomfortable scene uh, a sex scene because it's like it's pretty explicitly rape and yeah, i was kind of astonished um how many people did not see it that way after the movie um because like oh, he's really? he, he's completely out of his mind on drugs oh at that point. yeah no i i read it as like it's, it's like it's like a group date rape basically like yeah it's, you know he's he's been uh primed you know uh and more than one with i mean there's all kinds of shit their feet and the stuff that he drinks and then also the vapors who fuck knows like what that's all about um 
yeah no i've i've read it that but but um yeah that's interesting that people wouldn't uh see that as sort of non-consensual like i guess maybe the assumption is like you know because he's a scumbag maybe some people would think like oh like you know he's just he's going after like the young like you know uh village girl and he's unhappy in his relationship so i guess i could see the connection but i think i think because uh before all of that happened when she first kind of like gives him attention when they're all dancing and they haven't had any uh i guess they've had like the mushrooms but they haven't had any of the other drugs yet uh he does like get up and go dance with her but it's like okay yeah that's one that's very different and second like that's still shitty what happens to him um i have trouble grappling with the ending because it's like um don't they also say danny can't really talk or move um when she's in that flower suit i didn't catch that part yeah me either but it's possible i I could have missed it but yeah when they put it in her hands to like choose who burns i'm like oh my god because she's also drugged out of her mind and (laughs) um it's disturbing i mean (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I think like that's probably a little bit of the intention, you know, is uh is to make you uncomfortable, right? Like she's clearly not doesn't have full agency. He certainly didn't either. Oh, and I gotta give a shout out. Probably the second grossest thing for me is definitely that blood eagle um that he stumbled uh-huh. across, like all fucked up. That it took me a minute to process it. Like when I saw it, I was like, what's go oh um that's really, really, really grim. And the fact that the lungs are still moving. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That's pretty wild. I feel like that's probably the person that gets the worst in the movie. Like honestly, we didn't. We oh, don't yeah. see a couple of the deaths. Like, um, so we don't 100 know. But I feel like that's probably got to be the most torturous out of all of them. Especially uh, since like that's he disappeared a couple days earlier, right? So like, mm-hmm. he's been like that a few days. I, I will say like uh, like kind of along the lines of more of like the emotional core I suppose uh, for lack of a, a better term um, one thing I think this movie does do well is sort of like the depictions of like anxiety and, and like grief and things like that of course like Danny's the centerpiece of all that um, I think some of those like moments with panic attacks and then like it's really disturbing but I feel like it's kind of accurate too like if you've been around like certain people if you suffer from an anxiety disorder like I do like sometimes people's reactions like they don't know how to react when somebody's having a panic attack and there can be sort of a revulsion that's um it's unfortunate it's uncomfortable to like watching the movie and it makes me feel really bad for for Danny you know because she's obviously having a very very tough time and that kind of revulsion um it's just it's heartbreaking you know like it's one of those things that um it's understandable in a certain way I feel like if you if you not used to seeing that you don't know how to handle it but um it does make what she's going through i think all the more like heartbreaking and tough to to watch and i think the movie just does in general does a really great good way of like depicting like the outward expression of, of grief and anxiety i would agree and it, it makes sense seeing when danny is crying with all the other girls after she's like found christian all the more impactful because that's the first time anyone's actually uh, grieved with her yeah yeah and it's cathartic in a way where like i think to her she's um able to like fully express that like with no shame and no revulsion you know they're kind of basking in it my favorite cut of the movie by the way is like the closing of the bathroom door that cuts to her in the airplane bathroom that was so well done 
Oh man, it's a beautiful, beautiful transition. All right. Well, I listen, I appreciate both of you guys uh joining me as always for discussion of horror films and the slow burn genre and suffering through midsummer. I'm sorry, I know it's uh it's a bit much. But uh, I think it, uh, you know, it's worth the ride if you can get through it. And um, I'm glad uh, you enjoyed it. So um, our next week's episode is going to be uh, good for her is our category. So uh, it's, you know, horror with a, a strong bend towards uh, female uh, protagonists that prevail. And, uh, you know, uh, we'll, we'll get into it. I won't say what movies we're going to watch quite yet. <laughs> Watch the Twitter space for uh, the ability to select one of the two films that we'll be talking about. But uh, our guest, Adam, has a, a pick that you'll just have to wait and find out what that is. Uh, catch us on social media at ScreenQuestPod on Twitter. Interact with those polls. And uh, for all of you new listeners and watchers, like thank you so much. Uh, really appreciate seeing the, the, the growth this last month and all mm -hmm. the new engagement. Um, really, we owe it all to you. So thanks for sticking with us. And until next time, we love you. Bye. Bye, Bye. guys.